As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. All right, here we go. Uh, join, join here today by uh, Sean Langdon for our weekly, uh, at least during this social distancing period, uh, weekly story time segment. Uh, typically, we go live with this on the This Is Bracket Racing Facebook page for whatever reason, Zoom and Facebook are not getting along today. So uh, this is recorded, but we'll have it up uh, for you shortly. So if you are watching on Facebook, welcome. If you are listening on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, thank you for being here. Sean, thank you for being here, man. No, thank you for having me on. Give us something to do in this downtime. Absolutely. That's, that's the whole uh, thought process behind this. And obviously, a big part of what we're doing today is just kind of providing a, a bit of a distraction, you know, and having a little bit of fun getting back to racing. But I think I'd be remiss if we didn't start with the current events and like, how, how are you doing? How, is this, how has this impacted you personally? Uh-oh, I lost you over there for oh, a second. I still got you. Yeah, you locked up for a second, but you're good. Okay. Um, I think you're going with uh, what, what am I up to? Uh, I'm hanging out at home. Not really a whole lot going on. Uh, obviously, a lot, of, uh, a lot of discussions with the teams, a lot of conference calls, a lot of uh, uh, talks with the sponsors, trying to keep everybody on the same page. Um, but, yeah, just kind of hanging out at home, really just trying to avoid all the chaos going on, uh, just, you know, really, really kind of been doing the things that I don't like to do, doing the yard work, doing the cleaning up the house and, uh, being my own maid and all that kind of stuff, cleaning, you know, but, you know, just, we're, we're all kind of in the, in the same boat, you know, just trying to, uh, occupy your time. Um, there's been a lot of projects I've been putting off, so I've been doing a lot of those projects, which, you know, in the, the off season, we get about months off really in the off season and uh so you try to utilize that time you know spend some time with your friends and family and and uh and it's cold out here so you're not really outside getting stuff done but so you know I can't say that I'm completely upset about having a few weeks off where I'm at home and I'm 
I'm getting the list checked off one one by one. So, just uh, full disclosure, when I was having uh, technical issues getting this stream to Facebook Live, I asked Sean, I'm like, do you want to just go ahead and record this now? Is that all right with you? He's like, well, I'm either going to talk to you or I'm going to go out and do yard work. So, yeah, I'm in, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hate pulling weeds. And I'm out there pulling weeds. But, hey, it's something to do. Occupies your time. And I was out there seeing grass yesterday. I probably killed my whole yard. I don't even know what I'm doing. But I at least made an effort, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I um, so obviously, like in this in this conversation, we could go a ton of different directions because you've had such a wide array of experience in racing. I mean, for those that don't know, I'm 99% sure the only person that's ever done this. I know you're the only person when it happened, but Junior Dragster World Championship or Junior Dragster NHRA Championship. Uh, not one, but two NHRA Sportsman Championships back-to-back. -back. And then, obviously, your NHRA Top Fuel Championship in 2013. So, from junior to sportsman to pros, I think you're the only one that checks all of those boxes. So it's pretty pretty cool career, a lot of different ways that we could go. But I think for the bulk of our audience, what I want to do is kind of go back in time for our story time, specifically to, like, that 07-08 stretch, back-to-back -back Super Comp World Championships. I guess start us off like kind of leading into 2007 like where were you at in life what was what was going on in the world of sean langdon as you started that crazy run well that that was a uh a crazy time for me um it, it, the years before i had raced with a guy by the name of jack brand who really kind of took me under his wing um in a lot of different areas but when i came out of, i guess to go back a little further than that when I came out of juniors, um, Jack had given me an opportunity to uh, start racing a super comp car. And at the time I was 18 years old um, and I didn't really have any money and I didn't really have any sponsors and I had just come out of juniors. And um, so he really kind of got me a start. He uh, uh, gave me a car and then I kind of ran out of whatever little funds I had at the time. And then uh, he says, well, come work for me at the drywall company. And, and, uh, that'll kind of help you out. So he really kind of got me a head start on a, on a lot of that stuff. And um, so kind of, uh, you know, further progressing into the end of the 06 season, uh, he had called me. It was um, while I was in it, in Indy actually. And uh, he says, Hey, he says, do me a favor is uh, put a for sale sign on my car. And I was like, Oh, okay. All right. Nope. Like what, you know, what's your plan? You get a new car. Cause I mean, you know, we we're kind of every couple of years getting new cars. And, uh, he goes, no, he goes, uh, he goes, I, I think I'm done. Okay. All right. Uh, so how's all this going to work? And he goes, well, we're just going to, uh, he says, we're going to sell everything. Um, he says, what I'm going to do for you though, he says, uh, I'm going to give you your race car. And he says, I want you to take it and I want you to continue to race. Um, he says, I just, financially can't do it anymore. Uh, business is struggling. Um, but he says, I can, I can help you a little bit on the side, but he goes, uh, I want you to go do it. I think you'd, you'd be a lot better off than, uh, you know, worrying about my stuff and worrying about motorhomes and trailers and three or four race cars. And he says, I think if you just go out and focus on yourself, focus on one car and, um, uh, you know, I'd love to give you a start that way, but you know, that's just, it's what I need to do uh, for myself. So obviously at that point I'm thinking like, I don't know how the heck I'm going to do this. Like, I mean, uh, I guess in that, what was it? 2006, I was 
24 years old. Uh, not much more money than I really had when I first started. I mean, you know, and uh, didn't really have have much sponsors. And um, fortunately, in position, um, I was good friends with Morgan Lucas, and I was good friends with the Lucas family. And I had kind of sat down with them. Um, at the time, I was living at their house in uh, Southern California with Morgan and another one of our buddies, Eddie Fishley. And uh, <clears throat> so we were – you know, just kind of talking about it all. And, and uh, they said, well, you know, we, we could probably help you out a little bit on the financial side. Um, let's, you know, kind of see how we can work this out. And uh, so it just kind of progressed into uh, where I, I started racing on my own and uh, just went out. And fortunately for me, the, the second national event that year in Phoenix, I ended up winning. Um, so that gave me a little bit of, of financial to money to go on because um, I was I was really on the fly. I mean, I'm telling you, I maybe had, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars in my bank account, if that. Just like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to try. And uh, had a had a pretty decent season uh, in 2007. Was able to win some races and uh, ended up winning the championship. Um that season uh i actually i got that uh, the championship check ten thousand dollars and uh, i used that to pay for a condo in indianapolis um and that was my down payment on my condo was that championship check and kind of the plan of that was that i was going to um i, I figured for me racing out of california was tough all the good racing was back east um it's where all the big money races was uh you could do a lot of traveling amount of time where in California you're driving to Sonoma it's nine hours you're driving to Oregon it's 14 hours um you know everything's so spread out there so everything out here seems like you can go you know five six hours you can cover a lot of out here um so that was kind of the plan like all right you know I'm gonna do that uh, I'm gonna and I ended up uh selling my car uh, I had Tommy Phillips build me a new TNT car and um so that kind of progressed me into the the 08 season um and then just really started off uh good there too he we had some setbacks on getting the car done and so uh he gave me his car for pomona national and phoenix national um i ended up turning it i think two thousand red in the semis uh of the the national i'm like man i could really use that money in that final round and i was i was pretty uh distraught about that but so he brings the car out to Phoenix Divisional and and fortunately I was able to win that and then I go to Houston National a couple couple weeks later I believe it was and then I was able to win that and I got a, a 17 round win streak going before I lost in uh, Bell Rose but uh, was that literally the first 17 rounds in that car then yes wow yeah. <laughs> yeah I I could never do that again I you know but what's really weird is like fast forward a few years is uh, Todd Ewing put a car together for uh, the undercover car that I have now, that white one, the first uh -huh. car, or the first time I took it out, I was out at the Ten Tucks and won the race out there, the first day. And I, I don't know. Two cars might be a worthwhile investment for you, Sean. I don't, have the, I don't have the money to buy new cars for every race, but uh, I seem to have a decent record with that. But, but yeah, so that that 08 season uh, went pretty well. Started off well. Uh, went through a pretty uh, dry. Spell 
Um, I couldn't get over a race. I, I, I had a race in Chicago um, in the semis and uh, felt like I, I had a good car to win that race. And um, I went like, I mean, I think I, I was one, I don't know, mid, mid 80 something or whatever. And I ended up going 896 and giving it back a thou. And, uh, and I was, I was just so mad about that. That's I, actually, you might, you might owe me trade. You might owe me royalties on that one because like, that's my trademark move. I, I think I, I've got to, I've got to have a patent on that somewhere. <laughs> the 96 and a thou behind. Yeah. I'm good at that. Yes. And, and I just was that race crushed. And uh, for, for a few months, I don't think I got out of first or second round. Cause I just, I raced mad. I raced, like where it just, I, I wasn't racing the, the way that I, I should have. And, and at that time, I, I believe I was up, I don't exactly remember where, but um, I'd fallen out of the top 10 and, and I kind of did like a mental reset. And uh, like it, what really kind of had me do a mental reset was after Indy, um, I, I tanked in that, that Indy race and didn't drive well at all. And uh, so it's like, all right, like I got to do something because what I'm doing is wrong. So from the, from the way that I warmed the car up to the way that I held the finger on the button to the way number that I'll set up on the tree to the ET number I'll, I set up on, I completely changed my whole program, just did a complete reset, start over, act like this is the first race of the year, and uh, ended up going to the Earlville Divisional, ended up uh, winning the race, and then it kind of put me back up uh, where I had a shot. and. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, it was crazy, uh, crazy couple years. I mean, just to, to have the opportunity to, to do that, never in my wildest dreams would I really have thought to uh, have, have an opportunity to do that. I mean, you know, the, the names I was running against in the points was just the guys that I'm just like, I don't know why my name's here, but it's pretty cool. When you talk about the mental reset, the image that comes to mind is, uh, is it 10 cup? Take all the change out of your right pocket, put it in your left pocket, you know, just yeah. start over. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've, I've done everything from swapping wheels, round wheels, butterfly wheels, moving buttons upside down. I mean, you name it, but it's just, it's something to get your mind. Cause I think sometimes you kind of overthink things and, and I, I kind of attribute some of the stuff that like when you get a new car, are not thinking overthinking things you're just doing the basics because you don't want to mess nothing up you're trying to get the feel for the car so I think there's some times where you you might you know I, I feel I believe for me it's beneficial that uh I just do something completely out of the ordinary something so uncomfortable for myself that it takes my mind off of why I'm making these mistakes and not over analyzing or overthinking it all right, one thread to pull on. I, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, to kind of uh, 180 my thinking during these, these uncertain times from like survival to more of opportunity. And you brought up a hell of an opportunity. Like if there's some way that I can be an investor in your next new car and maybe we could debut it at a guaranteed million, I feel pretty good about that. So let's, let's, let's touch base about that off the air, right? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to need. And then I just want to go back again. I, I didn't, I, I probably realized it at the time, but obviously we've slept a few times since then. Like there's just personal changes in your life from 07 to 08. I was trying to do a little bit of research earlier and I knew that you got the TNT car to start the 08 run. I'd forgotten about the move halfway across the country. Like as it pertained to racing, 
I, it seemed like you traveled a fair amount as it was, but like were most of your 2007 claims in Division 7 along the West Coast and then completely redid things to, to be more center in the country? Or how did, what was the, the kind of geographic difference between the two seasons? Um, they, they were fairly similar um, because just kind of the opportunity, uh, how, it, how it played out was um, at the time, Charles was racing super comp. So part of my deal was um, they basically, part of my sponsorship was that they gave me a truck and a trailer and it was, I was able to put my car in there and car. Um, and so they kind of just basically paid for my fuel to go to the races. And, uh, you know, it was really up to me to kind of win to put money in, in, uh, in my bank account, keep myself going. Um, so it was, a lot of it was kind of, uh, if she wanted to go to a particular race, then I made sure that I was there. But if majority of it was just kind of, um, I was a little more Cali based in the 07 season, but I was more indie based in the 08 season. Now through the summer months, uh, at the time, Morgan had a house in Indy. So I was kind of utilizing that place where that was kind of my stopping point where the race come here, you know, hang out for, for a day or two, work on the car in the, in the uh, parking lot of, of his top fuel shop. And then, uh, you know, so if now, if it was on the, a lot of the West coast race, I'd go back to California and keep everything out there. Um, but that was the 07 season, 08 season. I was more primarily based out of here, but I could still utilize the same stuff. Um, Lucas had a shop and they still have a shop in Corona, California. So they're again, kind of use the parking lot there, work on the race cars in the parking lot when, you know, for Vegas and Pomona and, and all that kind of stuff. When you, uh, when you think back on it, like you had mentioned earlier that probably particularly in 07, there's a little bit of an awe factor just when you look at the standings and all of the, the huge names and like being a part of that and then ultimately coming out on top. I would assume that in 08, it's a little bit different, right? You've been there, you've done that. You got to feel like, hey, I won this, I, I earned it. And now you got a chance to do it again. I'm just curious because at that time, uh, I know Gary Stinnett's done it since, you were the first ever to go back to back in, in NHRA Supercomp with back to back championships. Um, I'm just wondering what, how was 08 different, maybe just having the experience, having been through it and having, you know, that confidence knowing like, Hey, this can have the dream ending. Well, I think like in, in 07, um, you know, I, I the highest that I had finished up in the division at the time was maybe, I don't know, third or fourth. Uh, at the time, nationally, I think the highest I'd finished was it was in the teens, like 15 or 15 or something like that. And so I just my goal was like, man, I just wanted that single digit number. I just thought that that would be the absolute cool, coolest thing. Um, really, it all kind of spiraled up in 07. I won the, the Phoenix National event and then I went to Houston, but then they had a rain out there. And then we go to, um, they ended up making it up in, at Dallas for like, I think it was on the Thursday or something like that. And then the divisional on the weekend. And so I had, uh, for the makeup race for the, the Houston national, I believe I lost to Bart Nelson in the final round of that. And then 
I ended up winning the divisional. I beat Gary State final. So then it was like all of a sudden now I got a couple wins and I got a runner up. And then, you know, so I'm kind of like, whoa, that, okay. That it was kind of one thing where in the beginning of the year, I, I see my name in the top 10. It's like next time I look, it's like all of a sudden I got like six races in and I got 480 points. And I'm thinking like, whoa, how did I get that all of a sudden? Like that was pretty quick. Just seemed to, to all kind of walk together there. But after that, it seemed like it kind of smoothed out a little bit where I was just trying to just kind of maintain, not think about it, but you know, you're on, you're looking at it every day, trying not to think about it. But I think it was more of, um, I, I think it was good that I just raced continuously in 07 because if I made those points and then sat around for a month or two, I think I might've had a, an opportunity to mentally kind of run myself out of it, but it was just, I was just going to race, race weekend and it was just kind of, it accumulated to that. It's like, Oh wow. Okay. I got to, I might have a shot at this. And then to where I think in 08 was, I think I was a little more mentally prepared in the fact of where I had some early success uh, when I went on like a little bit of a run and then I just completely tanked and drove terribly. But I think the fact of that, I had been in the situation before and understood the situation and was able to kind of do the mental reset and not just kind of give up on it. Cause I mean, I, I went through a spur where I just drove terrible. Like I said, with that 96, giving it back a thou, I mean, just flinching, going 50 a lot, doing just everything that I could, I could possibly do wrong. And I mean, I, I was lucky to pull the trailer in the gate the proper way. You know, it just was, that kind of a run. But um, I think just, you know, being in a situation where it's like, okay, stop, reset this, you know, I got to make this work. This is really my only opportunity. Um, I mean, cause if I'm not winning races, I'm not paying bills. And so it, uh, yeah, it got a little dicey there, but you know, it all kind of worked out in the end. When you look back and you could take either season here, like I'm curious if there was one specific event or maybe even a specific round that when you maybe look back in hindsight, feel like that was the turning point or that's what won that championship. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think in, in 08, I had a little bit of, um, where I was like the, that, that, divisional race that I got the TNT car that I, uh, in Phoenix, Jim Hughes had asked me to drive a super gas car and I ended up running up at that same race. And then I flew to uh, Fontana a couple months later and I ran the divisional there and I ended up winning that. So I had an opportunity with the super gas car too, where Jim was like, Hey, you got a pretty good little score here. Like maybe do some races, see what, what we can do. So I was able to race that. So I think in 08, I was able to um, kind of go and, and, and focus a little bit on super gas. So I was really focused on trying to get top 10 super gas where it's like, I was up in the points top, but I was really wanting the super gas deal to work out. Cause I was having fun driving super gas. Um, but I think, you know, having that, the gas car kind of keep my mind off of the dragster. And uh, you know, I think that really kind of helped. Um, I, I would say maybe like a, a, a turning point in, in 08 would have been probably that Chicago thing of like, Hey, you, you need to quit 
screwing this around. Like you got to take the, I mean, you got to take it serious, you know, not just going out there, just kind of la-di-da having fun, like, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think that was kind of really where like, I was, I was down on myself. I mean, I was mad. I wouldn't even talk to myself. I was so mad at myself over that. But I think uh, after that was kind of one of those where, like I said, just had that. Um, 07, 07, I really think that kind of the turning point was probably that weekend in Dallas where I was able to um, have that good weekend with the, the makeup in Houston um, where it really kind of put me up in the points where it's like, wow, I, if, if, if I do well, I, I have a shot. I have a shot at, at meeting my goals of trying to get in the 10 and exceeding my goals of maybe having a shot at the championship. I mean, so I, I think it's just, you know, a lot of things kind of play into a factor. Um, you know, you, a lot of times you go kind of race to race and you really just kind of, you know, take, take the weekend for what it is. And, and there's some things that you kind of take out of it. Some things you just mentally block out. Um, but you know, you know how it is. It's always a learning curve. Every, every time you go to a racetrack, it's a, I mean, I'm doing this for 20 some years and I'm still making mistakes and just trying to learn from all that's all. Absolutely. I'll, uh, I want to transition into one more thing. And I know that this is a story you've probably told hundreds of times, but as a, a sportsman racer and from a sportsman audience, like we all, whether it's at the forefront or somewhere in the back of your mind, like we all aspire to become what you've become, right? And and to to take this to the professional level. And whether it's a weekly bracket racer or a, a world champion, like those opportunities don't don't come along very often, right? So for you, like just talk about the the call up, so to speak, like that transition, how that opportunity presented itself and, and played out. Um really kind of how things started out was in uh in in 07, I guess uh, Anthony DeSero had called me up and said, "Hey, would you like to drive Tom Conway's A fuel car?" And so I was like, "Sure," but I'm telling like I got no money, and um, and it was literally to the point where we set the deal up for me to go out to race Tom Conway's A fuel car. I borrowed all of Morgan's gear. My dad paid for my plane flight because I didn't have enough money for a plane flight to go out there and race his car. I mean, that was the kind of situation I was in in, in 2007. Um, so I was able to do that. I think I raced maybe six or eight races of his. Pushing uh, into 08, Morgan was racing his A-Fuel car and going for points. And he had a really good car, but they struggled in the heat. So he said, hey, can I make you a deal? You could drive my car for free, but you got to race it at the like with with the weather and he goes because i want to claim the good races but we need to learn this hot weather tune-up and i don't want to waste my races to do it and i'm at that time I'm thinking great i mean i don't care just the opportunity for me at that time was, was all i needed so sure. um you know that, that kind of got a little bit of a start so it was at pomona of 2008 um the right after actually the same day that i had clinched the clinched the championship um, John Stewart, who at the time was a crew chief over there at uh, Morgan Lucas Racing, called me on the phone and said, um, hey, are you busy? Uh, no. He said, well, I need you to come over to the top fuel pit. And I said, what, what's going on? And he said, well, he goes, I just got out of a meeting and I need to talk to you about some stuff. And I said, okay. So 
I'll go over there and he says, uh, do you, you have any interest in driving a top fuel car? I'm like, is this a trick question? Like, I, what's, you know? And so, uh, yeah, yeah. What, I mean, what, what's this entail? And he goes, well, I don't want to get your hopes up. He goes, but we just having force Lucas, um, wants to give you an opportunity. He was very, very proud that you had won back-to-back championships, um, having Lucas oil on the side of, of your car. And, uh, he feels like you should be given a shot. It's like, okay. So as that kind of progressed out, um, there was a lot of talks because at the time it was, you know, budget, they were trying to find sponsors. There was all kinds of things went from that conversation to, we really weren't sure. We'll let you know. Um, I don't know if this is going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's really kind of like awkward silence. I don't really know nothing. So then this, uh, progresses into early January. And so I'm still kind of at this point of like, okay, I had just purchased a stock eliminator car because I'd used the the money uh, that I got from the championship and, and saved up a couple more dollars and bought a, a stocker. My plan was I'm going to run two cars in, in 2009. I'm going to run stock and, and super car. And so um, that was really my plan. I call from my buddy, Eddie Fishley, in early January and he says you what the hell and I said what are you talking about what's going on and he said you know he had some choice for me we've been buddies for a long time so we have usually some pretty good choice words for one another but he called me a couple names and then he says why didn't you tell me and I said tell you what and he says you're driving top fuel and I said and he said, I just read it online. You're driving top fuel this year. <laughs> the press release is out. <laughs> and I said, I really honestly do not know. Quit lying to me. Tell me. Yeah, really, I swear to you, I do not know. I don't know what you're talking about. So I said, where did you read this at? And he says, competitionplus.com. And I said, okay, what? I have no idea. That's a reputable but source, plus, right? <laughs> I said. Exactly. Like Bobby knows a lot at Comp Plus. So I'm like, okay, let me call you back. I really honestly don't know about this. I need to call Morgan. I call Morgan up and I said, dude, what, like, what's going on? And he goes, what are you about? And I'm like, okay, there's stuff on the internet. I'm getting phone calls. What is going on? And he gets pissed. How did this get up? What is going on? I has no idea how any of this apparently doubt and so he goes okay i need you to come down to the shop right now and i'm like okay so i go down to the shop uh you know i'm about 10 minutes from the shop and i i pull in and and uh he sits and he goes congrats you're driving top fuel and i said okay <laughs> like i mean it's this at this point this is maybe like two weeks before we leave to go to phoenix so at this it's like i mean stuff 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag um the car was originally built for melanie troxel and so i have a little bit wider shoulders than melanie troxel not exactly the same size right yeah so so i sit in the car and i'm like like this right so they sit me in they're like okay uh 
you know, we need you to try to get out of the car. I'm at the shop and I'm like, I really can't get this thing. And they're like, well, if you can't get out of the car, you ain't driving it. So we kind of had to like really kind of change some things in the car to kind of get it, um, get it to, to fit. But uh, I mean, I, I think those things are like a ninth or inch hoop or something like that. Um, but yeah, so it just, man, it spiraled so out of control so quickly. And I like, you know, I'm at the shop and we're like putting stuff on the car, getting stuff ready, doing decals, doing this, doing that. We got these sponsors trying to get, you know, all of our stuff all of the safety equipment and all this stuff is so last minute. And then next thing I know I'm going to Phoenix and, and I'm just like, so mentally like I have, what is going on right now? Like mine has not caught up with reality at this point. And, uh, and I remember getting to Phoenix and, and, you know, like my, my, my dad was out there and, you know, some friends had come out there and, and everybody's, uh, you know, kind of standing out and, and I'm standing next to the car, just kind of in, in awe of like, what is going on? And I remember Morgan comes up and he's like, he goes, you ready? And I'm like, I guess I, <laughs> I really don't know. And I remember the feeling that of, I, I felt like, I felt like I could do it. Right. I just needed to know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Like the, the warm-up routine and the race routine and, and all of these things, it's like you got so many things going on in your head. And I knew once I got it, I felt like I could be confident with it, but I just didn't know. And that was the scariest part about these things. And, um, and I remember the, the first time I get strapped in the car and, and Stuart, John Stewart comes over and he leans in the car. He goes, okay, I want you to hit the gas. You're just going to go to 60 feet, but just hit the gas. So you understand what that's like. We'll get that out of the way. We'll progress from there. Like, okay, all right, cool. And he's like, are you ready? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I remember the feeling I had of when we pulled around, like where the tower was and pulled into the water box. And then they, they line me up and they spin it over. And I hear them say, okay, you ready? And point, you know, like when you're sitting in the back of the class and you're not paying attention and the teacher says, uh, give me an answer. And you're like, well, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. And you have like that, that head rush of like blood to your head of like, Oh shit. You know, that was that feeling right there. Of like, Oh crap. What do I do? What, what switches? What, where, where, where is this? Where is that? Oh, clutch in. Oh, handbrake. Uh, and I remember that feeling of like, Oh my God, I'm think I'm going to kill myself. Right. And so we fire it up and I remember we do all the stuff and, um, I hit the gas for the first time and I remember when I hit the gas was like whoa and I remember getting top end getting out of the car and the guys they all come up and they're all cheering and like dude that was that was awesome and I'm like let's go again that was awesome that was the coolest thing ever but I just remember that change of emotion of like from I mean scared out of my mind literally scared out of my mind to I, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that that was what, 11 years, 11 years ago. Right. No, that's what's crazy when you tell the story, you're saying about what about, because I, it's cool that you say that. I just wouldn't have assumed like you'd made what a hundred a fuel runs by that point, but obviously it's probably night, pretty close night and day. Right. Yeah. Well, and see it's, it's a little bit more aggressive down low 
Um, but really the biggest difference in a fuel car that nothing can compare to it is when you hit the gas and it kind of does that runs you back. Like any car you drive, you know, whether a bracket car or, or whatever, but you have that first initial area where it kind of pins you back and then it kind of like your mind catches up, your body catches up, and then you're able to where it's like you're not like you're getting shoved through the seat. And a fuel car is just an exaggerated version of that where it pins you back really hard and then about half track it kind of levels out and you kind of have a little bit of a I, what I call a sensation of just kind of where you're just kind of driving the car but a top fuel car funny car top fuel dragster it pins you back and then it starts to apply the clutch so it doesn't ever have that let up period and it keeps pushing you pushing you pushing and it's just that a constant acceleration from three and a half G's all the way up to six G's. And then at that point when it goes one to one, and then for us, like maybe a hundred feet, 200 feet before the finish line is where we get on the limiter. So that's where it has a little bit of let up there, but yeah, the, the top fuel cards, that's the hardest thing about those is there's nothing you could drive really that compares to them. So it's really hard to prepare for it. <laughs> cool stuff that uh, I, I liken it to like taking my six-year-old on a roller coaster you know just scared to death and then dad that was awesome let's do it again and that's, <laughs> and that's exactly how it is I mean it's it's like that that feeling of like you're on a roller coaster that you know you're you you start out where you're completely scared and if you ask somebody like you go on this roller coaster that you're completely scared to go on and you ask them after their first ride what happened, they're going to tell you, I have, but it was awesome. And that's exactly <laughs> how driving the top fuel cars. How'd the car feel? I don't know, but it was awesome. Like, you're just holding on for dear life, and you're just, like, you're in a completely different mental mode, and you're not really thinking about anything. You're just holding on for dear life, but it's kind of crazy, and it's like, you know, just like if you were to go ride that roller coaster for the hundredth time, you could tell every turn every upside down, what you were thinking, you could tell a 20 minute story about that one ride, you know, and it's kind of the same thing on the top fuel car. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for, uh, for taking the time to kind of walk through that because I know you've said that before, but for our audience, for me, like that, that brings true, like that, that's, that's cool stuff. Um, I got one last thing before I let you go and, and admittedly, I'm going to blindside you a little bit here because I didn't prep you at all for this. So putting you on the spot, but if you can go back to the sportsman days, because we've all got these stories, these crazy times, right? Like if there's one, you know, suitable story for this, for this venue that stands out, um, like one good time from your sportsman days that, uh, that comes to the top of mind that you could share. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, gosh, I got, I mean, I, I have stories of driving down the highway, watching a wheel and tire pass me to missing races, to showing up late, missing runs to, I mean, traveling up and down the road. I mean, all various parts of the country. Um, I mean, you know, eating Cajun food with the Cajun boys and, and, uh, oh, man. I mean, playing poker late at night. I remember one of the first times I go, I go, uh, this is probably, man, I don't even remember what years this was or what year this was. Uh, probably, but going to, uh, like down into like Houston, maybe it's Houston. 
and um and i remember like we used we used to always kind of have this little get together and i would go play poker and stuff and and uh i i can't even remember who i was talking to i'm trying to think i wish i had a better story this is just first one that popped in my mind um and so i i we i had made a few hundred bucks and and i was talking to a buddy of mine and like and i said man this is the coolest place ever man we race in the day you know drink a little bit at night play some poker like you know all these people are really cool down here really nice and like this is a lot of fun and and they go oh you play I was like yeah I even made a couple hundred bucks you know and they're like oh who all played and I kind of list off some people and they go the Cummins boys and I said yeah and they said you played poker with the Cummins boys and I said yeah and they said you better be careful <laughs> they'll get you and I said well okay you know and I didn't really know them at the time so at that point, I'm like, what's going on? Well, I get to know them, and they are the absolute nicest people. Like, they, I mean, I can still to this day, they are oh, so cool, man. I, I, always, I always stop by and say hi to them. And, and, uh, but I remember I was so intimidated by these guys because they're like, man, you got to be careful. These guys, like, you got to, especially playing poker, you know? And, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we've been multiple times since then. But, yeah, the, the Cummins boys, that was, uh, that was like better watch out for them and they turn out to be like the nicest people out there um but yeah i, I don't man i got i got i'm trying to think of a, a good one off the head um no i'll take it because i'm the, I was the same way with the with uh with britain slate like what the first time that we really got out traveling at all was when ihra came to texas that's like 99 i think and uh so there you know they had the the was it parts plus parts pro one of those you know that and they're top 10 in the world i think coming off world championships and i'm like those are the guys to beat so i had it in my mind you know i'm 18 i got this chip on my shoulder like i had this rivalry built up all year then i'm like that's the guys i gotta beat you know and they and like to your point they look intimidating like you can't can be they were never anything but great to me right but yeah. i'm like oh, you gotta beat those guys so at the end of the year i'm still all like bowed up and they're like dude what's your problem <laughs> yeah. and we've been pretty tired ever since <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of funny it's like you know it's just um you know it's just way different racing on the and it's i don't mean anything directed towards anybody so different racing on the east coast versus the west coast and uh like a lot of the west coast is like kind of make your runs and everybody kind of you know sometimes they hang out but everybody kind of does their own things but that was one thing i really enjoyed about a lot of the east coast racing was like and then it's like somebody's cooking and I mean I'm a terrible cook so I, I'm the type of guy like oh, I'll just go run to Burger King and go grab me a burger and I'll be back you know but they're like oh man we got steaks and we got jambalaya we have all this food and like you have to take here take some more with you and it's just like okay cool you know but that that was always uh I always really really enjoyed a lot of the interaction um of racing out here where i was just trying to get to know people just on the racing level say hi to them in the lanes but then you really meet a lot of people um you know i mean like for instance this one time i go up to stanton michigan and i've never been there before i have, have no idea and i'm a last minute kind of guy like i usually i'll book my rooms on the way to the track type of deal you know and i was in a truck in a trailer and i pull in and i happen to park next to uh rock haas and uh, um, and you know, we get to talking throughout the day and, and, uh, he says, you just got your truck and trailer. 
yeah. And he goes, where are you staying? I said, I ain't booked a room yet. I don't know. And he goes, well, where do you think you're going to stay around? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm sure there's something close. And he goes, you don't want to stay in anything that's close to here. Like it's pretty run down hotels or motels. And uh, he said, you're probably going to have to drive a long ways to find something to your liking. And I was like, oh, man, like, well, dang, I guess I better go find a Walmart and get an air mattress or something. You know what I mean? Like, I'll figure it out. I'll grab a hose and shower in the morning or something. And, uh, and he goes, no, oh, stay in my motor home. You got the couch. I already got all the stuff laid out for you. You're fine. You know, so it's, it's just stuff like that, man. It's just, you know, just the racing community is, is such an awesome community. And uh, you know, we're, we're fighting on the track and we're racing against each other. And, you know, we're all out there trying to make our own living. Um, you know, everybody really kind of pulls together. Um, you know, I mean, for years, like Jim Hughes, he, he kind of took me under his wing mm -hmm. and helped me out a lot, you know, with a lot of, a lot of stuff like that too. Just drive my race car, stay in my motor home, do that. You know, it's just, you just really, you know, I got some lifelong friends because of, of going on the road. Um, you know, the only thing I look back, I wish, I wish I knew what I know now. I wish I could know back then. I feel like I could have, you know, we, we always kind of have those things, but, uh, but man, I wouldn't trade anything, anything in the past for the world. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's uh, probably nine times out of 10. If you, uh, if you go to a race pretty much anywhere and you, and you feel like you don't fit in, like you, 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 there's a you got to look in the mirror like there's something antisocial going on there you know what i mean like it's a pretty accepting <laughs> <Exactly>. crowd <laughs> yeah. So. yeah exactly but good stuff man again sean thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and uh, and coming on here with us i know i've enjoyed this as we get the playback i'm sure our uh, our listeners and viewers will say the same so man stay safe stay healthy appreciate you being on here and uh, for everybody out there um just keep your chin up we're in this together and uh, we're gonna get through this together Appreciate you, Sean. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.